Eighth pitch has been the magic one tonight. This time he hits the ball to deep right field. Cody Bellinger has done it! And the Dodgers lead in Game 7! What is happening, everybody? It's another edition of Icy Takes with Zach, Jeff, and Big Dave. And we're going to go around and explain how we're doing. And I think we're going to start with Zach because I think we want to start with some good news and some maybe happier times from someone else before we ask the next person here. So, Zach, how was your past weekend? Thanks, Dave. Um, The past weekend was pretty good. Uh, We actually took a trip in honor of the girlfriend's birthday. We ended up in the Big Apple, uh, New York City, for those of you that are clueless. Um, We we pretty much got to see the sights. You're welcome. I uh, got to see the sights, take in, take in all the scenery, uh, do everything with no one in the city. It was crazy. Like, literally, it was the city was a ghost town. Um, got to hit up some of our favorite New York spots, which, I mean, it was it, it was nice. And we got to Central Park and, and some cool things. And then uh, on Sunday, uh, was our come home day, we decided to go out of the way. And since we are both diehard fans of The Office, we took a trip to Scranton. Um, took in lunch at Pizza by our Alfredo's Pizza Cafe, and then we went to the Steamtown Mall. And uh, where else did we go? We went to one other spot, but yeah, came home. So, needless to say, I've done more this past weekend than I've done probably in the last two months of weekends, aside from heavily drink and be sad. So, um, yeah, definitely a busy weekend for sure. Um, and I'm gonna use the next probably week to catch up on sleep, but yeah, that was my weekend. There you go. And I think before we uh, head over to the, the other man in this podcast, I'm just going to go over mine really quickly. Guys, I never thought I would be in a softball game where the entire outfield was white because of frost. Um, that's how early this tournament started on Saturday. It was 730 in the morning. I was freezing. I had the most layers playing in softball that I ever thought I'd ever be wearing in my entire life. But it was a a tournament that uh benefited the the local fire department that where we were playing at so i was all about that um i i think playing in all the layers that i was in really affected my swing because i actually did strike out in slow pitch oh. softball i had no idea that, that was possible like i had my hands as close to my body as possible when standing there and wasn't really like extending my arms at all because i was just that cold um but yeah, as the day progressed, I did better, but we lost. So we won the first game and lost the next two out of the tournament. But the the entire um, setup was amazing. It was a double elimination tournament. Food was amazing. Uh, there were some homemade pierogies, one that were like a spicy Ooh. pierogi and one that was just regular amongst other, other things. So overall, the tournament was amazing. And that was probably the last softball story you'll hear from me until next year. I have questions. I have, I have two, uh, one, and I'll follow up with one. Um, what time was first pitch where there was frost on the ground? 7.30 in the morning. Were you gassing beers at 7.30 in the morning? Or was yes, this a classy I, one? I, took, I did my beer bong before the game started. How are you? That is a lot of dedication and, and borderline alcoholism. Um, borderline. Borderline, yeah. I, I still think you get away with it, but uh, definitely it's in the uh, it's in the gray area. But uh, I'm proud of you. I, I didn't know if we'd be gassing beers at a 7.30 a.m. tournament. But nonetheless, here we are. I didn't know either until uh, this, this weekend. So <laughs> Lucky streak or, or, or no? Come on, man. <laughs> you know. There, there's <laughs> times right, where I so... think you're such a traditionalist and then you'll be styling some IPA. And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I would die if I was to switch <laughs> over to an IPA the way we drink on that team. So, all right. Fair, fair. So we've we've just done our our fun time talk. Um, now we're going to go a little bit south here, Jeff. We don't even have to ask how you're doing. Um, walk walk us through, walk us through it. Dave, Zach, I'm hurt today. I'm hurt. And I don't hurt easily when it comes to my professional sports fandom losing. Um, this one hurts. It hurts a lot. Um, but 
Dave, as I said on this very show last year when we lost 13 to 1 to the Cardinals in game 5, I would much rather it be a close game and we had a chance. And we had three chances at it. We just couldn't get that right hook to knock out the Dodgers. But um, it's tough. It's a tough day today. Um, the one thing I've learned about my my franchise, the Atlanta Braves, is that we're very good. We're not elite yet. And, um, you know, we still got a ways to go, but um, it hurts. It hurts a lot. We'll get more into it later, but um, you know the the emotional roller coaster of the week has been nuts. Um, I, I I think it's just a day to reflect that for seventy two games, this team made my life in the summer seem a little bit more normal than you know just not having baseball at all, or um, the fact that they were able to distract me from what's going on in the world right now because of how well they played. So um, I couldn't be thankful more for them this year, the way they played, but um, definitely hurting a little bit today. Yeah. I mean, I haven't really experienced anything that you're going through and it wasn't even a championship series. Um, it was just the the game five loss of the Cardinals. And I didn't talk, but uh, I didn't talk for like two hours, but uh Yeah. I mean, as much as I love to be able to smear it in someone's face, I, I, don't, I don't like it if it were to happen to me and then I would just get snippy. So I'm glad you're here and doing the show. Let's all, Zach, round of applause for Jeff for showing up. Yeah, right? I, I, I empathize with Jeff. And Jeff, it took uh, some cojones to come on the show today because I would be a little pissed baby and tell everyone to F off. So you are already more of a man than I am. <laughs> Well, the, the, the way I look at this, though, guys, and, and Dave, like I said, to, to say how I was feeling is that, you know, we had a chance. And last year, you know, you give up 10 runs in the first inning. There's nothing you can really bitch about, right? And that's the business right. that we're in when we, we do this show is we like to bitch about sports. So when we get into the to the fine details of what happened over the weekend and some of the decisions that were made, I have a – a reason to bitch we have we we had our chance we didn't convert but you know we we can get into some managerial things or some decisions that that absolutely cost the atlanta braves uh the ability to oh my god he fumbled um the the ability to be to be playing tomorrow night for a world championship so we'll get into that later but that's why i'm here i am here to bitch about baseball that's why i'm here all right. Well, let's just start. Let's just start right here then. Um, so, Dodgers end up defeating the Braves in a seven-game set in the National League Championship Series. They win their third pennant in four years, and they were down three to one in the series. They were down two nothing. Dodgers won Game Three. Braves won Game Four, looking to get it in one of the final three games, and unfortunately, unfortunately, come up short. Jeff, I know you were probably you probably saw every single pitch this past week. Um, give us like some quick synopsis of like game to game how how the team was looking and how you felt about the team. So first of all, before we get into the weekend, I do want to talk about um, uh, game three, uh, the Kyle Wright game that was a complete disaster. Um, that was a holy shit! Here we go again you know, 11 runs in the first game, we broke our own record. Um, that that was like a disaster waiting to happen. And, you know, thank God that we were able to have a long guy go, and he threw 92 pitches. Yona, I think it was, it was his name, Y-O-N-A. Hoskar. Yeah, Oscar Enoa. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it was like a crazy name, didn't want to butcher it. Um for him to throw 92 pitches absolutely gave the Braves a chance to not only take a 3-1 lead in the series, but to also um, have a chance to, to win the series as well. So big ups on him. Um, game four, Bryce, Bryce Wilson, who makes his eighth career major league start, shoves it 
to the Dodgers and says, like, I'm here, boys. I'm here. We're we're taking this thing. So big ups on him. Big start. Goes six strong. Uh, the Braves' bats finally came alive in, in that game, took over. And then we get to game five, and everybody in in, uh, in the Peach State and in, in the Big A were thinking, all right, here's our chance. You know, we got a shot here. And then uh, the bullpen game. The bullpen game, A.J. Minter starts, pitches very well, goes three strong. You know, we're looking good. We have the lead. And then all of a sudden, Jacob Webb kind of falls off a little bit. Okay, not not bad. We got Freed and Anderson going six and seven. Uh, we should be all right here. Max Freed gives up three right off the hop in, uh, in game six. A little iffy. It's all right. We got Ian Anderson going. The kid hasn't given up a, a run in the in the whole the whole playoffs in any of his starts. He hasn't given up a run that I believe is earned. I, I, I might have to be corrected on. I think it's any earned runs. And um, you know he pitches flawlessly, which big ups on him because I don't know if you guys watched the game last night. That kid looked like he wasn't even nervous. I mean he was pitch he was pitching the game of his life, and it looked like. He was just playing in the backyard. I, and, I was um, flipping back and forth between football and that game, but um, I didn't get to the game till around like the third inning. Okay, so that's where I saw like oh, some cracks in the surface, <laughs> but you still were able to keep it tied and got the lead the next inning. Right? Yeah, yeah. And then I mean, the bats came out. It seemed like we were always able to get out early and kind of jump on the Dodgers, except for a game. Uh, Game three, but um, our biggest strength of of the whole year was our bullpen, and it ended up being the thing that cost us. And um, you know, unfortunately, it's the way it goes. And I, I think the thing today, and maybe it's too early for me to think about this, though. But where do if you're the Atlanta Braves, where do you go from here? Like, what improvements do you think you have to make? Because if the bullpen was your strength, like maybe you fix like a spot here or a spot there. I think starting pitching, you'd like to see another one. You know, you don't have much, you didn't have Mike Soroka for this series. I think that makes a big difference, but um, I don't know. It, it was a crazy end. And I, I thought it was curious to bring AJ Mittner into uh, when they did. And then um, Chris Martin tried to throw a, a cutter in on, um, on Cody Bellinger and caught too much of the plate and sent the Dodgers to the World Series. So that's kind of my synopsis of everything. So it's not that the Braves need to just flip a lot of things right now. No, I mean, no. And I, 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 not to cut you off, I, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying is like, it's not like there was like a huge hole that they, they need to fix. I mean, it, it's, the starting the starting pitching is the obvious one that like okay we need to make sure that we're we're healthy or we're capable of having our starters go deep which has been the Achilles heel all year. I mean Zach, did you happen to see any of this series? I know you were busy this week. Um, get any highlights? I, I pretty much what I did see from the series it was pretty much what I saw through Twitter. Um, not. A lot. I may have watched an inning or two here. I believe they were showing highlights at the bar the other night, but I don't think I was watching in real time. Um, it sounds like the game yesterday was within reach, minus the uh, obviously the Bellinger bomb, which I don't know if that ball landed yet, but um, the, the base running gap was was brutal. And I mean, you can yeah. fault the bullpen, but I feel like they shot themselves in the foot early with that. I, I mean, did. I did yeah. forget to mention that. Yeah, the the, the three base running gaps. And three in games five, six, and seven. I mean that that they ran themselves out of a World Series as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean it. It wasn't the bullpen's like main fault. I mean, you're they're just the victim right there because they're the ones giving up the runs at, at the most inopportune times. Yeah, I was gonna say something similar. It's just you know the bullpen made have broke at times, but it wasn't they certainly weren't getting the help they needed at certain periods of time. I mean, I, I would, I would have thought that the Braves would have had that in their back pocket or at least been up another two runs had, uh, <clears throat> you know, just some base running, uh, 
fundamentals have been followed yesterday. I mean, granted, I don't know about the other two gaps, Jeff, that you're referring to, but yesterday what I watched was uh, pretty cringeworthy, especially for it to be a uh, game seven with a chance to play in the show, you know? Yeah, so the so the first one, the big one, is uh, Dave, the Mookie Betts play on Friday. That yep. He comes in, he makes a shoestring catch on the fly. Great play by Mookie Betts, which he can F off. I've, I've had enough of him. <laughs> I Cody agree. Bell- Cody Bellinger, we'll get we'll get to him in a second because I texted Dave about him on uh, earlier in the week. Um, but Mookie Betts makes a phenomenal catch, true string catch, and Marcelo Zuna comes back to third base, which everybody in the building thought, okay, he's going to tag up, he should score, no problem. Comes in and scores, and the Dodgers throw to third and appeal it. Turns out he left third base early, which makes him Yikes. out. Double play. Second and third is wiped out, no runs scored. And I think it was 2-1 or 2-0 that, like, you know, you get that run or you get two runs out of that to make it five. You kind of really give yourself a cushion. Um, so, yeah, that's the first one. Ozzy Albies, one of my guys, a tough weekend for my guys. Uh, Azuna, Acuna, and uh, Albies. Albies runs up the line, doesn't get has like a tag applied to him, but I guess they just missed him. And he thought he got tagged, so he doesn't touch first base. And he rounds like he's going to come back to uh, to the dugout, and they tag him, and he's out. So that kills a rally in, in game six. And then, um, and then game seven, which we all saw, which was the uh, second and third, a uh, hot shot to, to third. And... Um, Dansby Swanson breaks for the plate, caught in a rundown, and then Austin Riley can't get to third. They get doubled off there. That kills another rally. I think they're up two nothing or four two or three two at the time. So again, you're killing another rally there. So um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm sorry, I completely missed that detail. But yeah, they they 100% ran them out of the World Series. Yeah, and that's very punny of you as well to uh to word it that way but i mean yeah i think what you started with is correct the braves are not elite they're just a very good team um the best comparison the best comparison that i have thought of today is when you think of college football okay you think of the big 10 the the ohio state buckeyes are the elite of the big 10 right penn state and wisconsin are very good football teams they're not Ohio State, right? Yeah, good comparison. That that's where the Braves are at right now. The Dodgers are elite. Um, you know, they're very they're a very good team, up and down, incredibly hard to navigate that lineup. Incredibly elite. The Braves are very good. They they're maybe a piece or two away. And I I I honestly wish the Braves had the full rotation of. Soroka Freed and then maybe Ian Anderson because um, I, I, I wasn't sold on Cole Hamels early in the year so I, I would think that it, but the playoffs coming down the, the stretch it would be uh, Soroka Freed and Hamels and that would have been you know that flips the script completely on the whole series but I mean we're, you're obviously playing Monday Monday morning quarterback with that so alright so Anything, any closing words for the Braves before we move on here? Um, my last words for the Braves on the 2020 season, um, keep pushing forward, guys. Don't, don't keep sitting on the, we're young, we have a great future ahead of us. No, the future's now, guys. Capitalize on it now. You have, you have an MVP first baseman franchise player. You have a franchise player that's going to take the uh, the torch after Freddie's done and Ronald Acuna. Um, keep building around these guys. Find a way to re-sign Marcelo Zuna because that guy brought a lot of thunder to this lineup. You know, keep pushing, keep wanting to win. Do not um, be discouraged. We're almost there, but we have to find one more arm, whether it's in the bullpen or in, in the starting rotation. That can be a, that can solidify us as an elite team. 
become elite. That is the next step for the Atlanta Braves. You're very good. Become elite. All right. I like that. I like that. So let's move on here and maybe uh, the the attitude, well, not the attitude, the, the mood will change um, in, in the room here for what we're talking about. The Tampa Bay Rays defeat the Houston Asterisks, Asterisks um, in seven games as well. They had a 3 nothing lead in the series. The Houston, uh, I was going to say the Asterisks again, but I seem to butcher that word, so I'll just say the Houston baseball team. Um Storm back and wands games uh, four, five, and six. And then the Rays take it away in game seven. They advance to their second World Series of all time, first time since 2008. Um, we're either going to have the Dodgers' first win since 1988 or the Rays' first title in um, franchise history. Guys, this, this is um, – well, let's go over the series first. Um Every game seemed very competitive and uh, especially low scoring early on. The the bats started to get around later on in like games four, five, and six. And then it kind of slowed down again in game seven. So it seemed like any time the Rays were able to hold their opponent to what? I mean, two runs. I mean, that will obviously win you games a lot of times. But it seemed like any time the Astros hit at least four that they were taking it away from Tampa Bay. So now we have this Tampa Bay team who has probably one of the best pitching staffs going into the World Series against not one of the best offenses because I could agree with Jeff that was probably Atlanta going into the playoffs. But for what they can do at times for how that lineup is staggered um, can be quite scary sometimes. And um, some of the players that come off the bench for the Dodgers um, we'll just get a get a little rally going as well. Um, how do we feel about the Tampa Bay Rays? Because um, I know this is a team that we thought was still going to play second fiddle to the Yankees this season, but you know they've been dominant all year long as well. Uh, for I mean, for them, it's going to have to be pitching, 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 right? I don't, I don't. The uh, that lineup, yeah, they they showed some pop, and the bats did appear. But I mean, their pitching has to be next level against against this Dodger lineup because the Dodgers are just from. I mean, Cody Bellinger was last year's National League MVP, and he's batting sixth in that lineup. So go figure that one out. Have, have fun get it, getting all the way down to the sixth spot, which is almost the bottom third of the order, and you're facing the reigning National League MVP. I mean, it, it's yeah, tough. I mean, it's a tough just... lineup to get through. So, um, and it does how's Tampa gonna gonna be uh, doing with Blake Snell and um, Tyler Glass now? Are they are they gonna be on on um, like short starts and get get to the bullpen as quick as they can? That's what I, that's the one thing I'm really curious about is how they handle their pitching. I echo Jeff's thoughts as well, just considering that pitching is what got them there. I mean, their offense is <coughs> at least from the small sample size that I've watched, but I mean, certainly that team is known for their pitching. So naturally when you're matching up against, like Jeff said, a team that has Cody Bellinger batting freaking sixth, like that's, that's pretty insane. So naturally you're going to need clutch performances from all starters and just hope that you can limit the damage uh, by the Dodgers. Well, I mean, so let's look at some of the probable pitchers. The first game, it was already announced earlier that Clayton Kershaw would get the start for the Dodgers. He, I don't think he's pitched since game four. He'll be hurt so again. So that, that made a lot of sense for the Dodgers to do that. Um, and Tyler Glasnow looks to be the um, expected game one starter for the Rays. Um, so you have someone who's been doing the same routine every year for the last decade probably. And this is his fifth World Series start. One and two. In those starts with a 5.40 ERA in 26 and two-third innings, um, and then you have Glasnow, and he's two and one with a 4.66 ERA this postseason, and his 25 strikeouts are fourth most in the 2020 playoffs. All this coming from MLB.com with the probable pitchers. Where do we feel about this matchup with, between Glasnow and Kershaw? I like Glasnow. 
I I am so out on Clayton Kershaw, um, especially after not not pitching game two, right? I mean, not to not to bring myself up and be happy about a guy being hurt or missing a start, but did I not call that? Yeah, you pretty much said. Uh, but but it's it. it's the same story with this guy each and every year. Every year we get to October, and it's it's a massive blip on his on his career is that he does not show up in playoff time. He's just not there. And for whatever reason, because the Houston Astros cheated, nobody brings us up. That, I get it. He, he he's probably a general. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's a generational talent, and he's probably the pitcher of our generation, right? But yeah, I mean, I mean, come on, guys. I mean, enough is enough with Clayton Kershaw. I I like the young buck last now. I think he he outpitches uh, Kershaw, and um, I I would bet Kershaw's out by four and two thirds. I have a take, and this might be controversial, but I think that. Uh, Kershaw has more to prove than Glasnow does. So I like Glasnow in this. I mean, like Jeff said, Kershaw's never, you know, it's always kind of been a where'd he go come October time. And uh, Glasnow, it's the young team that are going out in fun. I mean, granted, they expected to be good. But I mean, I think from a legacy perspective and how the Dodgers are uh, known choke artists when it comes to the World Series and and especially Kershaw himself, I, I think that there's a lot more. Um, on the line for him as opposed to Glasnow, who I envision will just go out there and throw. I mean, granted, it's a big moment, but I think there is more pressure on Clayton Kershaw. Honestly, I'm I'm leaning more towards Kershaw just because of what Zach was saying. With There's more to prove out there, and I think he is probably going to be digging and soul-searching today while going into tomorrow, while Glasnow is probably just going to treat this like every other start that he's been able to go through and just ball out there like he usually does i mean this dude is stellar um this did not happen in pittsburgh because i think the way they were trying to tell him to pitch was not his style he gets down to tampa bay and they really they really showed off what he can do since last year um but i think i want to say there's a chance that neither or both of these pitchers can go six plus and not give up a run and then it's just going to go to the bullpen Four and two thirds. Kershaw gives up eight hits. Curveball doesn't move well, and um, I'll, I'll say he'll have four strikeouts. But no, nah, I, I, I'm so, I'm so out on that guy. Uh, Walker Bueller, the same thing. I mean, yeah, he shoved it game six um, on the Braves. He pitched well, but um, I felt I even felt confident going into game six going against him. So um, I. I I think that I think the Rays, as long as they can uh, keep games close, I, I think they absolutely can win the series. Oh yeah, like just like we went slightly over with Tampa in their last series. Um, if they held their opponent to under two runs, they win the game. Um, it's pretty much set in stone. It's it's not that it's not that amazing of a statistic. It's just that's how dominant they can be sometimes with the with their arms and then just get enough runs to uh, get it over the board. Unlike the Reds, like in game one against the Braves when, you know, they weren't, they only allowed like what, four hits in the game and they couldn't score themselves as well. So um, yeah, this Tampa Bay teams know, knows how to manufacture runs. Um, Randy Arrows arena has been killer. Uh, what broke Evan Longoria and um, Kyle Schwarber's record for most home runs in a, postseason as a rookie and he has six and he's looking to get more uh he has a chance to probably i think get two more um depending on how long the series goes to get number seven and number eight um i even though i i can see both of these guys cruising in game one i still think the Rays take game one just because of the um the back end where they're the back ends are pretty much neck and neck the bullpen but some of the dudes with tampa bay Throwing 98 with movement, kind of like Bruce Dar, is just killer for a team. Um, it was nice to see Julio Urias for the Dodgers go out and really show off what he's always been uh, talked up about for what he can do. Um, we'll see if he can continue that. I don't think he gets any action in game one after throwing those three innings in game seven. But I still think the race can take game one. 
Um, I don't want to go through the entire game by game set, but game two, Blake Snell's already slated to be the starter for Tampa. There's TBD for the Dodgers. Um, so let's just get into prediction time right now, and then we can move on and then reminisce about the 2020 season next week. How about it? Sounds good. So Zach, lead us off with a, with a prediction. See this, this, this pains me. Um, because I did some thinking and I, and I checked out Twitter, which is probably my first take. But I just realized, as much as I want the Rays to win because I dislike the Dodgers, like, and Dave, this is no disrespect to you. I absolutely hate Pirates fans. And they're going to be crying, <laughs> small market team, look what we can do. We just need to build it like this. And I just don't want to deal with that. So that's one thing that makes me want to root for the Dodgers, just because I don't want to hear... Oh, see, yay, small markets, yay, because the Pirates ownership's a bunch of shills. So I don't want to, I don't want to deal with having to see those tweets. So, in a sense, and I know this isn't a prediction. I want the Dodgers to win, just so I don't have to hear that uh, if the Rays were to win, or if the Dodgers were to win. Sorry. Um, on the flip side, you know, seeing the Rays win and the Dodgers just flame out again, especially after how hyped up they are every year to just not deliver again, just makes me so happy. It, it, it's literally like. The three guarantees in life, like death, taxes, and Dodgers not coming through. So, like, you can almost <laughs> depend on it every single year. And I, I'm, I'm at a crossroads right now. It's either Dodgers joke gets another year of of, of greatness, which sign me up because f the Dodgers, uh, or two, deal with Pirates fans comparing the Rays to them on Twitter. And I just don't know which of the which which way I want to go with this. Ideally, I think I can deal with Pirates fans um, more so, even though it's quite a challenge. Maybe I'll just mute some words. Um, but I want Tampa to win. I think if this, if, if their pitching can, can perform as it has and how the season has gone, I think they have a legitimate shot. Um, I like Tampa in six. Okay. I like that one. And I, I really like the the explanation for both reasons of why you don't want to see the team win. That was excellent. Um, <laughs> that's it. That's Jeff, incredible. The, th- the three guarantees in life, death taxes, <laughs> a Dodgers failure in October. <laughs> oh, that needs to be a shirt. <laughs> um, for my prediction, I mean, this is elementary because I never root for the team that eliminates my team out of the playoffs. So, um F the Dodgers, F Cody Bellinger, F Mookie Betts. Um, I didn't even get to Bellinger. I, I, this is how – my dream way this, this series ends is that the Dodgers are on the hook. They're down 3-0 in the series because, because it's my crazy fantasy world. I get to pick the situation. And um, they're, 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 up, they're, up by, uh, they're up by a run. They're up 1-0 into the ninth. And um, – Tampa's got runners at second and third and Joey Wendell, because he's the only guy that I know that plays for the race. Cause every time I, my TV's on, he's at the plate looking like Kendall from the left side. And, um, Joey Wendell sends a base hit up the middle. N- nice line drive. Perfect. Bellinger. Great spot. He's, he's in a great spot. Gets, gets the ball. Nice field to play. Nice and clean. Comes up to throw. He can't throw the ball because he jumps around like a goddamn rabbit and he's, you know, hitting elbows with his teammates after he hits a home run. Did you guys see that in Game 7? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and Smoke uh, called him out for it. I hope that guy can't throw a baseball. I really I really hope he can't throw a baseball. And it, co- it cost the Dodgers a World Series. I hope so, so bad. And th- that's what I'm talking about right there. Jumping around, you know, you hit a home run. Great, you know, high fives all around, you know. And I, I get it, Dave. I, I really do because you called me out for it when I texted you about earlier in the, in the in the Brave series that you know, well, if it was your boy Acuna, you you'd be all cool about. It. You're right, I am cool about it, whatever. But they go in and they like take a selfie, like that's all it is. That's all. Like they're they're not jeopardizing their health to win the ultimate goal. So that that that's a difference there. So F Cody Bellinger, he doesn't throw the guy out at the plate. Uh, Tampa sweeps them in four. It'd be in three if it was a five-game series, but I can't pick three. So, um, yeah, I got, I got uh, Raisin four. Love it. 
All right, so I guess that makes my pick easy. I got the Dodgers in six. Um, it's it's finally the time that they put everything aside because this is a shortened season and they didn't have to go through the whole grind of a 162 game set to make it to the to the World Series and then flame out at the end. This is midseason form LA Dodgers and they're going to continue to go through. I think they do it in six games. You know what? Losing to, game one. You know who else I hate on the Dodgers too is Chris Taylor. Their number nine hitter. What a dork. He looks like the absolute number nine hitter on your little league team. That like his dad paid a lot of money and that's why he's on the team. That's the only reason he's on the Dodgers. <laughs> I do like his da- swing on MLB the show though. I, I Ser- do model my player after his swing. Seriously though, go look go look at him and everybody else on the Dodgers. Like all everybody else on the Dodgers is, has like that California feel. California guy, and then there's Chris Taylor that looks like his dad worked in a steel mill. I mean, in fairness, when Julio Urias, or whatever his name is, is uh, coming into the game, looks like he's about to do your taxes with those glasses on. So, I mean, I, <laughs> I, I, I get it, but like... And, and we'll go outside the Dodgers real quick, because you're going to talk about looks. Eric Sogard never struck me as a baseball player. Like, Eric Sogard. Like it looks like I'm going to get legal, legal uh, advice from him. Like, he's one of the three wise men. But, I mean, Did you know yeah. that, like, I think the MLB does it every year where they do the face of the MLB, and it was yeah. between Joey Joey Votto one year, I think, in 2014, and the other guy was Eric Sogard, and I think it was more of, like, a troll movement that got him up that high. <laughs> Zach Morris Dave. is the reason that guy was up for face of the MLB. Well, wait, fun fact about that is uh, in, in uh, social media back in college, uh, the social media class, I actually wrote about that. We had a project to do on that. And I, and I talked about how social media took off. I think we were, I, I think we were talking about like share campaigns or something like that. And uh, I actually used that example that Eric Sogard got into the finals because of his following and just the overall concept that he was such an outsider. Um, so that's your little fun fact of the day. I remember that class. It was a very fun class. Confirming. That. I don't think I had it with you, but. Uh, that was you a very fun class. We, would, we probably would have been out of college with the amount of fun that we were having. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to take that class one time, and Rock <laughs> told me I wasn't allowed. <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. Let me tell you. Well, they yeah, missed out on they missed out on one hell of a personality to be on that radio show. I'm sure the ratings dipped big time. A little bit. Yep. All right. Um. Yeah, I think that'll that'll do it for um, baseball. So let's switch it on over to the hockey world. And this is prime position for Zach to stand up to the podium and announce his displeasures of what happened um, or what player got signed this past week. And Zach, I'm really hoping that we get predictions from you about this guy as well. Um, I need like spot on stuff of what to expect from this player. You can predict me jumping off a cliff before the season starts because I'm that displeased with it. I, I mean, honestly, okay, so let's break the news real quick. Uh, on Saturday, it was announced that the Penguins signed defenseman Cody, uh, a former Toronto Maple Leaf and Ottawa Senator, to a one-year, $1.25 million uh, cap hit. It, on the outside, it doesn't seem bad. On the outside, it doesn't seem bad. It's one year. You can bury him in the minors. Cool, cool. I mean, it's whatever. It's it's fine. But then you – and this is the part that jams me up. They don't want to give – the Penguins don't want to give Ruedel or uh, uh, – what's his face? Ricola a look. But yet they'll sign Cody Cece when they were already crunched for cap space. But meanwhile, if Tristan Jari or, or Casey DeSmith's game goes to shit – Who's your goalie? Like, I was hoping they'd allocate that. And I know I was hopeful for a flurry return. But that's not going to happen. It wasn't going to happen, but I had hope. But now that definitely doesn't happen. And now one of your goaltenders sucks or, or something happens. Uh, you don't have anything back there. Uh, but no, we got Cody Cece. So thank God. Um, and my other point about that is just I literally just paraded down 119 in Greensburg because that's almost like the Boulevard of the Allies at Greensburg. Uh, <laughs> that's they... so true. Oh, <laughs> man, you hit that on the head. <laughs> I literally paraded down 119 whenever uh, they bought out Jack Johnson. And and, and then I, I did 
blow whenever they whenever the Rangers signed him. I was like, oh my god, some other Metro team, a Metro team that got to see him a lot was stupid enough to just give him a contract. And I was so happy. I was trolling Rangers fans. I was up in their DMs. I was I was enjoying it. But in the back of my mind, I knew that Cody Cece was out there. And I knew that Jim Rutherford was just, just stupid enough where it was like, ha I may have gotten rid of Jack Johnson, but watch this. So I, I, I knew it. I, I, I knew I always had a feeling that Cody Cece would come home. I just always tried to brush it off. I always hoped that they would allocate that money for a backup goalie, uh, even a depth winger that, you know, you can on a two-way deal or something. Something for it to not be Cody Cece. But nonetheless, we're here. Uh, we're sad. We're mad. Uh, it was announced he's going to wear number four. So if he plays anything like Justin Schultz did this past season in honor of that number four, he's going to turn the puck over a lot and just stare at it. Uh, which, pl- trust me, if you try- type in Cody Cece on YouTube, you'll see plenty of clips of that already. So I guess my, my, my biggest frustrations to summarize this three-minute rant would be I think the money should have been allocated towards a backup goalie um, and just, you know, ran with Ruedel or Rinkola on the uh, on the opposite side of that third pair. Um, and I also just, yeah, we had just gotten rid of Jack Johnson. Like, you had just gotten out of having one of the worst defensemen in Penguins history. Like, the worst, honestly. I'll, I'll just put a label on that. It, it just assigned Cody Cece, who, his numbers are bad. I'm not an analytics guy, but, you know, you look at the charts and you see red and orange, and you're like, Jesus, this guy sucks. Um. I've watched videos of him turning the puck over. There was literally a power play that the Maple Leafs had where they're passing it around. The puck comes up to the point. I think it hits off CeCe's skate. And it just sends the other team on an odd man break and they tuck it. And I'm just like, that's what the Penguins are getting. Like, So while Jack Johnson puts pucks in his own net, Cody CeCe's deliberately costing turnovers. And and you hear the same excuse that, oh, well, he's just your third pair guy. Yeah, that's what Jack Johnson was supposed to be too. That's it. Never worked out that way, and you know, you guys both know the Penguins injury bug. Like he'll be playing first line minutes in ten seconds when Chris Letang goes out with some stupid injury that no one's ever had before. Like it's, <laughs> it, it's going to happen. I'm upset about it. I, I, just an awful signing. Luckily, like I said, it's for one year. So you know, if they suck for one year, that's fine. But then that's another year of Crosby and Malkin that you can't, you can't maximize. So. Needless to say, while I kind of expected it, I was hoping it wouldn't happen, and here we are. So, the thing I'm bothered about is his last name is Cece, correct? Correct. So, why the hell is it spelled C-E-C-I? Shouldn't it be Cici or Ceci or something like that? There's no consistency there. I mean, I agree, because when I think Cece's, I think the uh, pizza, pizza, cheap cheap pizza with the mac and cheese and buffalo chicken pizza and instead it's a shitty defenseman but yeah i agree yeah i mean this, <laughs> just it should, just for it should be just for, just, for argu- just for argument's sake here if cody cc is the reason they bring back cc's pizza to the pittsburgh area i i'm all in on 1.25 oh, i will buy year. i will buy a 380 dollar reebok uh cc jersey I'll get every patch they've ever worn in franchise history on if they bring CeCe's pizza back. I'm on, I'm on it with you. Uh, but no, in all, ser- in, in all seriousness, though, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. Like, this has it all set up. Like, I, I won't say Chris Letang will have, have a weird injury. I'm going to say, like, Brian Dublin will block a shot, and he ends up playing with Chris Letang. And, and some guy from Blonde Ox will call in on Madden's show free plug for you you're welcome mark um he'll call in and say how bad letang is they need to move to forward he'll hang up on him and just like and then yeah and then someone else will get hurt and that that weird ass injury goes through the whole team and cody cc's playing 25 minutes a night you're exactly right is uh, all right zach i need a prediction from you um okay as I try to find the over-under for points scored for this man, which won't be a lot, well, unless he's playing those first-minute lines, he'll have more chances. Um, in a, let's just say it's a 48-game season, because that's what we all kind of agreed on to start January 1st, do a 48-game season so you can get back on track in 2021-2022 season. Um, how many goals does this guy get? Negative is not an option. 
Uh, one, and it bounces off an opponent's face and goes into the net. So he has one. Uh, and, and honestly, like, it, it's not even the scoring. It, 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 I, I don't give a crap if he can score. He's supposed to be a two-way defenseman. So if he puts a puck on net and generates a rebound, awesome. He did his job. I've just seen enough video of him just getting beat and turning around, and it's like, oh, Lord, what 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 happened? And like I said, we just got under it. I was just I was just getting over the Jack Johnson era. Like I had gone to therapy, I had started recovering, and then this happens. So it's not so much a production or what it could be versus what I didn't think we'd be doing again. But here we are. I don't think I can find anything right now on like player props for him. So this this exercise just went to hell. So I apologize. <laughs> just like Cody CC's defense, right? <laughs> um, is there anything else you want to add about this aside from CC's pizza being uh, missed dearly? In the famous words of Michael Gary Scott, I am ready to get hurt again. <laughs> All right. I like it. Let's let's move on. Um, there's one only one more thing I wanted to talk about, and I think it's a good thing to wrap up with before we get into our MVP uh, MVPs of the week uh, with the retirement of Doc Emmerich, uh, one of the best broadcasters of all time. Um, did around like what 3,700 hockey games throughout his in, illustrious career. Um, he finally puts he finally hangs the hat up. He's done. He's announced his retirement. Um, and just looking to live the retired life. So, um, I mean, I only really knew about the name Doc Emmerich going into college because I wasn't really into hockey as much. Um, I was just into the Penguins, and, you know, even with him calling the games, I wasn't really looking to see who this guy was. Um, and I thought he did a phenomenal job, but, um, didn't really know who he, exactly he was until getting to college and then just like looking up like how great of a man this guy is overall and how big of a Pirates fan he is. For him to be that happy all the time and be a Pirates fan, I, I don't know how that's possible. I, I really don't. Um, but for if, if that guy can do it, it makes me think I can do it as well and go through this torture that we're currently going through as baseball fans. Um, but... Anything from you guys as well before we kind of, I don't know, get into story mode? I actually have a story about Doc Emmerich, uh, to be honest. Um, so I was interning with the Penguins my senior year, which would have been 2014-2015. Ooh, and, bad uh, year to be in the Penguins organization. Yeah, well, they fired that could have been the worst year of the Crosby-Malkin era well, to listen, be in the Penguins actually, organization. They fired Mike Johnson the day I walked around, the exact time I walked around, across the graduation stage. So it's like they listened to me. Uh, it, was a, it was the best graduation project uh, present I ever received. I remember so. being at Slippery Rock for that, uh, well, not for that graduation. I was just happened to be there that weekend. And the day yeah. that he got fired, I'm like, let's go. Yeah, literally, I was walking across the graduation stage. The moment he was fired, I obviously had my phone in my pocket because I was 20-some-odd years old at the time. Still am, I guess. But, uh, you know, I had, like, 67 texts, and it was all like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, you know, everyone flipping out. Um, but that said... Uh, was, I was working the Pens game. I think they were playing the Bruins, and my parents actually scored tickets because my dad does some work for the Penguins as a uh, graphic designer and, and some other like marketing stuff for them. Um, so he gets tickets for fair amount of awesome time, uh, like a lot of times. So um, my parents go to the game, and they said that they were sitting right next to the NBC camera, and for whatever reason, like Doc Emmerich was real close to them, and I was like. Oh, like that's awesome! You should get him to sign something, or at least to say hello. You know, something bare bones, basic, but obviously it's Doc Emmerich, so I was like, oh, "That's cool." Um, he ended up signing my ticket because I guess my parents had told him I was interning with the Penguins, and it said "Live Your Dream" uh, or "Chase Your Dream" or something like that, and it was like Doc Emmerich, and I was uh, forever like just looked up to him. And uh, honestly, his calls are incredible too. But I mean, that was just a real, real cool experience to have that, and I have that ticket uh, saved in my room. Uh, put away so I, I mean that's the one moment that I'll always have from him and yeah I definitely think that he uh, he bridged the hockey community from uh, diehard fan to casual fan he just made listening to the game really fun so um, yeah props to him and what a career it's been so yeah that's an awesome story though to, to get 
a guy that is at the national stage. And, um, I mean, you hear that story all the time, though, is, like, any fan walks up to him and he treats you like you're the most important person in the world. Um, I, I, I don't have a story personally, but my, my grandfather told me this story that um, back in 1991, he was down uh, downtown. I think he was picking up my mom at the time because she was uh, pregnant with yours truly before I graced the world with my presence. And um, and it, the Penguins were on their cup run in 91. And uh, and he was down by the, I, I want to say the hotel on Grant Street, because I think that's where the North Stars were staying or something like that. And my grandpa just went in there because it was hot or whatever. So he wanted to get, get out of the sun. And um, he saw Doc Emmerich over in the lobby. And um, he went over and he said he had like a 15-minute conversation with Doc Emmerich. Just like like they were best friends. And sure enough, you know, they, they, they talked. And he said it. He, he was just the nicest guy. He treats you like you're the most important person in the world. There's nobody else there, just you two. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it like, he, my grandpa was never one for, like, autographs or anything. I mean, for where he's at in his age, like, he, who's he care who signs a piece of paper or material or of, of any kind. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, the nicest guy in the world, I, it, the way he calls games, I mean, I think just the way he he describes action is great. Like I I want him to to just narrate my life for a day. I because I I would just wonder like you know just thinking about me like walking wa- walking out of or getting up out of my bed and walking out my front door like Chris gets up gets up out of bed sashays way through to to the door. You know, rope dopes his way past the keys, grabs the keys. Oh, what chaos! The door is locked. You know, just, just incredible, incredible how he just comes up with like these words that like you could say like he just walks to the door. No, he sashays his way through. Like who comes up with that? That gets incredible. But like I've always said, I would watch Doc Emmerich on a replay of a game the night before than watch like Paul Staggerwald on a live game because I I'm just more entertained with the other one. So. Um, yeah, I mean, a great career. I'm sad to see him go, but, um, you know, it, it was a great run and I, I know I'll definitely be looking up some, uh, some YouTube clips on, um, on Doc Emmerich the next couple of days, just to remind myself of how great we had it for so long. I think there's already on Twitter, a hashtag. Thank you, doc. And I watched it today. I had a little bit of time at work. It was, it was a five minute narration by doc himself about what he did throughout his career, how he got into it, some of the highlights and recent highlights as well, um, kind of the TJ Oshie goal in the Sochi Olympics um, and what he just plans on doing with retirement. So it's definitely worth a, worth a watch, and I can send it to you guys if you haven't seen it already. Yeah, I haven't got a chance to check it out, but I definitely was going to make a yeah, point of it at some that. point today. Mm-hmm. So... Um, but yeah, I, he's one of the best broadcasters you could say of all time. I think, um, if you were to take one from each sport in the, in the big four and put them on a, on a Mount Rushmore, Doc is definitely NHL. Yes. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. So. He'll be, he's already won the Foster Hewitt. So I think he's in already, right? Yeah. Yeah, he is so. in. But uh, all right, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to get get our little segment in there, and you know, being the what the somewhat hockey baseball podcast that we are, show some love out there. Um, let's move on. Let's uh, move on. Let's wrap up the show with uh, some MVPs of the week. And uh, I think Doc is not on the board for this one, just because we already did a segment about him. So, uh, Jeff, I. I'm gonna save you for last. I think it might be hard for you to get an MVP of the week with the with the trying three days that you just had. So, <laughs> I got I got one of each. <laughs> okay, Zach, you want to lead us off? Yeah, I think I'm gonna give an MVP for 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 the first time in a while. I feel like I always give LVPs. Um, and this isn't a, a sports figure by any means. I guess. It, so I, I while in New York, I got the chance to visit the uh, 9/11 museum, and it's a truly humbling experience. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever gone, but uh, 
some of the artifacts and the writing is in the, in the pictures and everything they've shown is just uh, crazy. And, and, and for us that, uh, you know, can relate to 9-11 and, and, and we were, you know, very much cognizant of, you know, maybe we didn't know what was going on, but we at least lived through that day and, and you know, were in the classrooms or, or doing whatever. Uh, the day still resonates with us. And, uh, you know, we visited there on Saturday. And I think we spent about four and a half to five hours in the museum itself, just taking it all in because it's it's uh, truly incredible. Um, so I think the that was a part of that day in, in our country in general, because I feel like that was one of the last truly united times that we had where we felt like we were one one nation as opposed to 50 different states or two political parties or any of that BS. But uh, you, you go in that museum uh, with an open mind and you'll be humbled real quick in, in terms of, uh, like the reality and, 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 you know, even how far we've come in a bad way as a society, because I feel like that was a time where everyone was united and everyone was, you know, the, the, the uh, togetherness was, was there, but, uh, definitely if you go to New York and you're in the area, it's definitely worth the money to check out the museum proceeds benefit the nine 11. I think it's the Memorial foundation, um, but it's a real cool experience and a shout out to everyone that, you know, helped get our country back. Right. You know, live that day. Uh, one of your better ones, I think Zach. So appreciate that. Yeah. Um, I can, I can honestly say I'm disappointed as in myself as an American that I have yet to get there yet. And I've been to New York a couple of times since that's been up. So, um, definitely my next trip up to New York. I'll, uh, I'll definitely have to check that out. Strong recommendation. Oh, yeah. Me too. Um, I'm going to give mine to the guy that put together the tournament, uh, that I was in this past week and that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, nicknamed Bam. Um, one of the biggest, nicest dudes you'll meet. Um, and, and this dude, you know, what I told you guys the second game of the year, um, the, we played a team that was, uh, a bunch full of recovering addicts, you know, in a beer drinking league and all these guys stay true to what they do. And he's basically the the leader of all of them. He's, he's been clean seven years plus himself. Um, and this is just his way. He said without softball this year, he would have went crazy, um, you know, with the pandemic and everything else like that. So for him to go, this was a first annual thing that happened. He was looking to raise $5,000 only got $2,500, but Hey, some money's better than no money. And hopefully we're looking to push the tournament up a little bit earlier. So we don't have to play in the frost in the morning and have more daylight throughout the day. Um, so yeah, it's going to go out to bam, um, local guy here for uh, softball. Love it. Nice. Nice. Good to see. That's going to a good cause too. So, uh, so Jeff, you get to wrap it up for us. All right. So I got it. LVP and an MVP. My MVP of the week, I'll start off happy because I'm not in a good mood today. So, um, my MVP, I'm going to go with Colt Swindell, um, the country singer, because as, as of right now that I know of, I mean, I don't know what the state of Jimmy Carter is or if he even watched the, the series over the last week, but I believe Colt Swindell is like the biggest celebrity that's an Atlanta Braves fan that we have. And he took to Twitter, and he was very much out there on Twitter rooting for the Braves and everything. So um, I'll say he's the MVP for having our back in Hollywood. Um, you know, great, great musician. I, I like a lot of his music. So uh, Cole Swindell, you're the MVP for having our backs, you know, when the national media really doesn't give us the, uh, the attention we deserve. And my LVP of the week, speaking of the national media, the Fox Sports broadcast of the NLCS. Holy hell, were you guys rooting for the uh, – the L.A. Dodgers, that whole series. And, I mean, I'm not one to really complain about broadcast because I don't think there really is a narrative there. But, I mean, it was so blatantly obvious. Like, you would you would have thought the Atlanta Braves were an eighth seed that barely got to the uh, the, the NLCS because, because, I mean, they were, just, they were just L.A. this. Look how great L.A. is. L.A. is fantastic. You know, even when they were down 3-1, oh, L.A.'s going to come back. Don't you worry. They're great. Don't worry about the Braves that had the best team OPS throughout the year that has the the uh, potential NL MVP of the year, Freddie Freeman, the most ex- exciting young player, Ronald Acuna, on their team. Forget them. It's all about the Dodgers. So my LVP is to the, the Fox broadcast. Um, 
just just try and be more diverse, guys. Come on, you're better than that. So, and I like their panel. Their panel is really good. You got A Rod, you got David Ortiz, and Frank Thomas. I mean, that's a really good panel. But I mean, come on, guys, you're better than that. So, um, yeah. So those are those are the two that I have. Love, Love it. it. <laughs> Thank you for calling attention right, to the national media broadcast, the fake news media. <laughs> the fake news media. All right, guys, this is where we ended. Uh, you've been listening to the Icy Takes podcast. Um, you can like us on Facebook at Icy Takes with Zach, Jeff, and Big Dave. Follow us on Twitter at Icy Takes, uh, I-C-E-Y Takes, all together one word, because that's the way we like to spell it. Follow the personal Twitters at Big underscore Day 52. At Zach Morris 82. At Chris underscore 51. Like our Lord and Savior, amen. Hopefully the show didn't go off the rails too much, but if it did, we hope you enjoyed the ride. And we will be back next week. So until then, stay icy.